Here we are at Pot and Market. Today's going to be a very special episode. I have someone on here I've known for 29 years, uh, as of uh, three weeks ago. Um, He's someone who I consider uh, a frenemy, uh, an online sparring partner, um, a shoulder to cry on, uh, a source of inspiration, a source of frustration. He's uh, someone who is deeply associated with the city, but no longer in it. And I initially thought about this episode because I've always wanted to and will at some point in the future do an episode about people who have left Newark and um, who have built lives outside the city and um, who only come back to it in a sense that they are visiting um, either relatives or friends or whatever. And um, at some point in the future, I want to do an episode about those who have left and why. Um, But I figured this episode will allow for an interesting opportunity to both explore that issue, but also to um, let you see essentially another aspect of my life. Um, You know, someone who I I know very well, who knows me very well and can easily riff uh, off of me. Um, So that's a long uh, introduction to, or sort of beating around the bush about this person, and that's my brother, Miguel, uh, formerly known as DJ Miggy. he comes here uh, from Massachusetts. He lives in Boston now, although I'll let him tell his own story in a minute. Um, but I'm super excited, and um, I just want to see, you know, how is he doing right now? Pretty good now that I have my coffee, that's for sure. Uh, hello to everybody out there listening on the Pod and Market podcast. Um, great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. I actually see the dunks right now, um, which is making me a little bit jealous because I had a small latte from Black Swan, and uh, I finished that very quickly, um, whereas you have this, like, 20 ounce um iced coffee (laughs) i i wasn't really into iced coffee for a long time until one of my friends suggested to me and the thing about it is like i drink it quickly and it just like gives me that spur of energy really fast and figured after last night's drive and everything i could use a little pick me up and you know ready to discuss any topics you have yeah so (laughs) actually let's just start with the basics um tell tell us your journey from uh wherever you think that begins to wherever you think it's it is now uh yeah i mean well um as people know um being your brother, obviously, born and raised in Newark. Um, for about 17 years of my life, I was living here. I went to Bloomfield Tech High School, so the Essex County Vocational High Schools. Um, funny enough, we did have the closest one to us was two blocks away at North 13th Street, but I ended up going to Bloomfield Tech, where that's where I uh, received my high school diploma and my welding certificate. Um, and after that, that's when I applied to college, and I ended up going to Newton, Massachusetts, to LaSalle College, which is now LaSalle University, which is a very interesting topic in its own. Um, and I studied finance and math there. And I'd been living in Boston ever since. Um, funny enough, you were my, my inspiration for going up there, because I saw what you were doing, and I thought to myself, well... Uh, you know, my brother has this whole different life of his up there and he kind of just like takes control of it and he's checking out something new. And I've always wanted that. I've, you know, I've grown up in Newark and knew it like the back of my hand and knew where to go. And I just wanted something different. And it turned out to be, you know, one of the best experiences of my life because other than you and some relatives (laughs) that we have up there, I was just pretty much doing my own thing. And after I networked a bunch and got to know the city, got to know my peers and my classmates and my coworkers, I just decided to stick around because there was so much opportunity. And um, after I graduated LaSalle in 2012, I'd been living in Boston in the inner city in the Alston Brighton area for just about seven years now. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where my story starts and ends or is continuing. Um, what do you do now? Um, so I work at the Harvard Medical School. Um, hoot, hoot. Yes, uh, my brother's alma mater, even though not necessarily the medical school, but uh, Harvard University in general. Um, I do grant finance, so working with research grants to do you know healthcare policy work, which is the department I work in, and uh, it's been you know a great experience. I, I'm still in the city, I'm still in the Longwood area, uh, I still live in the Alston area, so um, still like you know in the city of Boston. I'm not necessarily in Cambridge, but I do go there from time to time. Could you explain what Alston's like? I'm, I'm, you know, sort of more of like what you do, you know, for fun up there and like what, what that area is like. Yeah. Oh, in Alston, what's great about it, it used to be called Rock City. There's a lot of uh, music culture there. Uh, one thing that I definitely found in Boston was like the music scene. 
and it's a lot it's a really young vibe if you're between the ages of 18 to 30 it's really great for networking you have a lot of young you know um undergrads and graduates who are just trying to find work who are trying to find themselves if you will and i decided to stick around because that's essentially what i was doing and in alston it's right in the border it's uh, i'm pretty much in between boston college and boston university and that area is just a bunch of networking and just young people just trying to figure out what they want to do. And how do you feel, like how different is being up there than from being down here in Newark? Well, and that's kind of like what I wanted to talk about is because every time that I come back to Newark, there's just so many, there's a lot of like cosmetic changes. There's a lot of new things being built um, that I feel like would definitely um, make me want to uh, be a part of it or see what's going on. Um, one thing I noticed that, like, let's say with the NJ Pack Center, with the, the Prudential Center, these are a lot of places that after I've seen what they've been advertising in the shows and uh, kind of how they've been drawing a crowd is something that I would definitely look into if I were still living here. Um, because, like, granted, up there, I'm always at the House of Blues. I'm always at the Boston Garden. I'm always at all these big venues and whatnot. And I just see a lot of that more and more here in Newark. So that's one of the positive spins, I suppose. Of like down here? Yeah. Um, But um, you still choose to live. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of um, factors that go into why someone lives somewhere. Um, It's just very funny because like part of the reason why I found this, this would be a very interesting and maybe even fruitful discussion is that uh, we sort of had the inverse of each other. I I did spend eight years up in in, in the area, not quite Boston proper the whole time, but I spent eight years in that state and... um, I then came back down here, and and for for I'm pretty much settled at this point. I'm 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 going to live in the city, um, whereas you had the sort of almost opposite, not quite exactly opposite, but you you did your high school here, unlike me, I did my high school up in Boston, you or uh, sorry Massachusetts, um, and then you went up to Boston for university. I basically stayed where I was for high school, near to where I was for high school. But then after college, you decided to pursue work up there because the cool thing about graduating college usually is you have a lot of freedom to go wherever you want. I mean, if you wanted to go to L.A., you could have pulled that off, right? If you wanted to have even maybe gone abroad, you might have been able to pull that off as well. So so why Boston? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because you were up here for a longer period of time, whereas I was doing university, and I just kind of wanted to see, well, it was only four years, and I just didn't want to just, like, you know, keep it only to four years. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what else Boston had to offer. I had contemplated L.A., California, um, all these other different places that I might, you know, uh, excel in my career or whatever I wanted to do. Um, it was the network because I – after I graduated, I was just kind of trying to find finance jobs here and there, going through temp agencies and just trying to see what was available to me. And – I, uh, through um, my alumni network, you know, I did a lot of things. I played rugby. I was a part of the LaSalle College radio station. Uh, I did a lot of community service. Um, pretty much anybody that was offering work at the university, whether it's paid or not, I was, you know, willing to do because I just wanted to put my name out there. I'll never forget the first time I moved into a dorm up there. Um, I was dropped off. Our aunt dropped me off. And... I was just like, I have, this is it. This is what I have to do. I don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. I know my family who is, you know, an hour drive away from me and I don't have a car. And then the only other thing I knew was my brother was on the red line. So pretty much I just had to fend for myself. And it turned into something that actually I really tried to work on here in Newark was trying to network and meet people. And it just worked in my favor because I became part of so many different groups and a lot of people, what's great about LaSalle University is that like a lot of people from Massachusetts go there. So you'll meet a lot of hometown people. I got to know a lot of different towns that I never would have like gone out of my way to see. Um, and then once I had that and I hadn't, you know, I would visit Newark from like holidays and summers and I kind of just kept to my group, but it just kept expanding up there. I just kept meeting more and more people, more people who were driven to find work or be a part of an organization or try to do something. And that was just inspiring to me. And you didn't feel that was happening here in Newark? If it was, I wasn't aware of it. Um, I think it's what was accessible to me because if I did come down here, 
you know, I didn't know what the buzz was. I'd been gone for so long, um, which is great about what I think what you're doing is because I think you're putting the word out there. I think that that's kind of important. If people don't know what's happening, they don't know what to do. I think having that dialogue is important about, you know, what's going on or what's what's appealing to the masses. And up there, there's no shortage of that. I don't know if it's the age demographic. I don't know. Again, I don't know what's pulling that kind of motive, but um, there was just always something going on. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Um, part of the reason why I ask these questions is um, I, I'm often part of efforts um, to bring talent to the city, yeah. and um, which is you know very interesting kind of stuff to do, and like it's it often requires thinking about how do you build a community um, that's attractive to high performing talent, however you want to define that. Um, but one of the things that <clears throat> that really kind of annoys me or or drives me a little insane is uh, dealing with the question of brain drain. Um, and this is something that kind of, you know, it, it frustrates me, but it also like perplexes me in a weird way because I think a lot of the ways to help uplift Newark, which is often a topic of conversation among a lot of, you know, young people, politicians, whatever, you know, how do we, you know, restart the city? How do we, how do we get to its, a word I hate to use, but renaissance? I mm-hmm. really don't like that word. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I keep thinking, like, how do we, how do we bring back people who have left? I mean, a good example is our neighborhood, um, which we could probably talk about and actually is worth talking about on this show. Um, we've had actually someone from my neighborhood on this podcast, Lucia. Um, if you go back to, I think it's episode six or seven. Um, it's, uh, the college episode about Harvard kids. One of them actually grew up a block away from us. Mm-hmm. My brother and her brother were very close or still somewhat very close. Um, and you know, she's not the only one, like I, her and I going to Harvard, are not the only people in that area who went to what people would call elite universities. We have a Yale grad next door. He no longer lives, um, in Newark. He lives in Brooklyn. Um, we have another Yale grad two doors down. She's doing her med school outside of Newark, probably not coming back to Newark from what I know. Um, uh, who else is there? There's, um, uh, there's this Georgetown and NYU grad another block away. Uh, I know them better than you. Um, they're not here anymore. One, I think one of them lives, um, uh, in Southern Jersey. The other lives in New York city. I think I might be wrong. I have to ask my mom on that. Hmm. Um, but you know, it's um, there, there's a lot of homegrown talent is what I'm trying to get at in this long winding question, yeah. and I guess what I want to get from some it's hard for me because like I, I can explain why people leave and I, I'm a bit of an odd duck because I have a lot of interests that are not fulfilled in a city like this. I have a lot of interests that are fulfilled. Like I, I love this town, I love being here, but you know there are a lot of things that I can't do here if I want to like pursue them. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering from your perspective, what is it that Newark can't, it does not offer or maybe even can't offer or um, what, what, what is it that you're looking for that you can find in Boston that you're not going to find here? Well, then I, I think of the community in general, because one thing about us is like, we're right outside New York City. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to, we're kind of like the Providence to Boston, if you will. We're kind of that like city outside the city that mm-hmm. like people are familiar with, you know, it's like we're the state attached to, you know, New York. And it's kind of like, one, well, one thing I always reference is the Prudential Center. Like that was something when I saw that, I was like, that's going to be such a draw because that reminds me of like the garden, like the stuff that's going on, which, and people can disagree with that or whatever. Oh, by the way, explain which garden you're referring to. I am re- the TD Bank Garden in Boston. Formerly known as the Boston Garden. Boston Garden, Back yes. in the day. Um, not the Madison Square Garden, yeah. which again comparable to New York City, um, but it's like um, one thing. I, one thing I see a lot is when people ask me where I'm from, I'll say New Jersey. And they're like, "Oh, well, part they'll think I'm referencing the Shore, or Camden, Trenton." I'm like, "No, I'm from Newark," and I kind of get this reaction of like, "Oh," and the only thing people know about it is like whatever they've heard in the media or they know the airport. Yeah. And one thing I try to do is I try to talk about like. You know, the people I've, like you said, the people that we know that have been to like Ivy League colleges and who've been able to like do something with themselves or like the talent. I'll say things like, you know, Queen Latifah's from here. Shaq was born here. Uh, one of my, one, one person that people don't know that is from here also. Michael B. Jordan? Or? Uh, yes, but I will reference him in a second. But yeah. I was going to say the comedian Jeff Ross, the Roastmaster General. Ah, I didn't know that. One thing about him, and I noticed this a lot, and it's kind of like, 
something we obviously relate to, like him and people like Joe Rogan mm-hmm. were all born here, born and raised here, and they ended up going to Boston. Um, Joe Rogan, his move, his family actually moved to Newton, and Jeff Ross. Wait, Joe Rogan was born in Newark? Yeah. I but I'm pulling up my internet right now. And, <laughs> I didn't even and know Jeff and Jeff Ross, uh, kind of like us, was born and raised here. He was like the son of a caterer, and he went. I think don't I don't know if this is true, but I think he went to Emerson. I know he studied uh, like film and radio, and I was just like I was like, what is the deal with people who go? Who oh li- my God, Joe Rogan, born in Newark, August eleventh, nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, you heard that here, folks. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, and and uh, there's a person with a very successful podcast. Yeah, no yeah. Doubt. And um, these are kind of things that I like to reference because I think it's important that it draws attention, like what movies were filmed here or the fact that Eminem shot the music video for his uh, Grammy award-winning album, um, uh, the song Not Afraid. Yeah, um, yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that filming happening. Yeah, yeah. And you were still living here. Was that your senior year of high school? I can't remember. No, that w- I was already was in college. Okay, I was yeah. already in college. Yeah. Um, I, I only asked because I, I like... I, I want to remember when the filming was, and I think I it's was like 2010. I think it was still down here, or I, I was obviously in college, but I think it was physically down here for a vacation or something. Yeah, it had like been that. like during the summer of 2000. I want to <clears> say <throat> either nine or ten. And I uh, back to your question. I mean, it, it, again, it's the accessibility. It's like what's going on and what's happening. I feel like every time I would come back, there wasn't a discussion about like what is the draw to, if you want to call millennials or like our age group. Um, because a lot of the times uh, people would reference like New York City and for Newark, um, kind of being the, like the largest city in our state and being right outside of New York City, it's like, we should have a lot more going on for us, but people, there might be, people just might not know about it. Um, and what's great about you is like, every time I talk to you, you are always talking about these shops or these comedy shows or theater performances, a lot of stuff that is happening in Newark. And that's what the word has to be. That's what we have to get out to people is let them know what's happening. Yeah, it's just hard. It's um, obviously that's for new people. I think it's like you know you're trying like, I guess for me it's it's maybe the issues are really the same. But like with new people, it's always like let's undo the reputation. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also true with like people who grew up here because they also there's a certain set set of um, of memories you have of a place. Maybe even I, to, to use a strong word, trauma you've built up in a place like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering like, do you carry like I don't want to say trauma because it's a very strong word, but do you carry experiences from this town with you, inside of you, that cause you to hesitate when you're making a decision of, like, where you want to build your life? Um, I mean, I yes, absolutely. And, and I don't know if that's specific to any city or any major metropolis because, you know, anybody can have sort of trauma wherever they grow up. But for this specifically, yeah, absolutely. And that's the one conversation I really try to veer uh, away from when people ask me about where I come from, because I do try to look at the positives. And going back to your last question about what uh, is appealing in Boston that I want to see here, Mm -hmm. one, I guess one, I wouldn't necessarily call it regret, but one thing I was really uh, curious about was what if I did end up going to school here? I did get into- For for college? For college. NJIT or Bloomfield College or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, you know, Montclair State I got into, I got into NJIT for computer science, and that would have been right down the street. Yeah. And that's one thing that I referenced before about like uh, the universities, the undergrad networking, the graduate networking. Is that is there a lot of that in uh, Newark? Like you have yeah. you, you have your Rutgers campus, you have NGIT, um, ECC. You have you know then there's Montclair, yeah. all the other no- nearby schools. Um, what is that community like? I mean, I'm not sure what your reference to that is, but like, I, I guess I always get nervous. So this is actually funny. So um, um, you may not know about this, Miguel, but uh, Rutgers is pursuing this very interesting idea. Um, called the Honors Living Community, which um, it, it does a lot of things. Uh, but it, the the idea behind it is to um, help Newark-based students, um, and, and of all ages, I actually know someone who's doing it later in her life, um, uh, and not a, a tra- she's not a traditional like you know like immediately after high school person going to this program. But it's an undergrad program where they all live together. We actually drove by this building on our way here to the studio, Miguel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that they're around uh, faculty, they're around, um, they have programming built around them, that their curriculum for their undergrad degree is built around social justice. It's all this amazing stuff. I only get nervous about it because um, I do, I like this idea of having resources here, but I also want Newark kids and people who grew up in Newark to leave the city and come back. I think it's a, an important experience to have. Um, 
the further probably the better, although I don't know if that, that holds out all the time. And I understand the reasons why you have things like the Honors Living Community at Rutgers or you have NGIT is they offer um, significantly reduced tuition and costs are much lower um, for your educational experience. But like I, 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 I'm always afraid of um, like I don't want Newark to become insular where our our, our intellectual and intel- like our, our degreed class is simply people who are from here. Um, and have never left here for uh, a huge chunk of time. Obviously, you have study abroad. Obviously, you have other ways of doing that. But there is something about going to Boston or going to Chicago is another popular university destination, right? Um, you know, and and gaining uh, a different perspective and then coming back. I think that's an important part of the experience. Uh, obviously, it's not a universal truth. I mean, I'm sure there are people who who can stay here for their whole lives. I mean. This is like intellectual Manny popping out right now, but Immanuel Kant never left the city he lived in and is generally regarded as like the most crazy philosopher ever to have existed, like uh-huh. in terms of like his body of work. Like, so there are people who like can just stay in one space forever and like, to, you know, become amazing. Um, well, there is a problem too that I think because the word that's referenced a lot up there is the townie. Yeah, it's the kind of person, and around here, it's like it's kind of that same kind of. Well, we don't really left. have. Well, I guess yeah. I guess we do have townies. We don't call them that. Yeah, no, right? I don't know what the Newark term would for that would yeah. be equivalent. Would that be? But what I love <clears> about what you did is essentially what you explained is that you went out to pursue something greater and wanted to learn something new from a different perspective, and you brought it back. Yeah. Now, who who knows if I'm going to end up in Boston in the long term scheme? I'm still figuring out what I got going on, and then maybe I will someday will bring it back here to Newark. You know, I'm still figuring that out. All oh, right, and this is not me trying to call you out or anything. And I feel that's the hard part about this conversation and trying to organize a panel around it is um, th- there's a little element of like I, I I don't. It could come off as me being like, let me bring you on and tell you what you're missing out on, why you're an awful person for leaving the city when it needs you, right? Like I I don't yeah. want to do that, mm. but. At the same time, I do want to have that honest conversation without judgment, right? Of like, why why did you leave? And like, I, I you know, uh, I don't know how much you're willing to go into, but I also know other reasons you've told me in confidence of like, of your own like things that have occurred in the area where you grew up that caused you to feel like you didn't want to be there, right? Um, and I'm sure that happens to other people too, where sometimes it's just personal, like, you know, relationships you've built up with people and that those like not coming to fruition or having issues with um, just like that, that are personal to you as opposed to the city itself as well, that, you know, can, can be um, um, the reason why you don't stay. So some people like for them, Newark seems unsafe, which there are parts obviously where that can be an issue, but um, that I think is like changeable in a way that maybe like personal reasons aren't. Um, so I don't know how to segregate that out for certain people, but I, I do want to have that conversation to try to find out, is it, you feel there's no opportunities here or is it more of a just like, you know, people leave because people leave, right? Like there's going to be a certain amount of people that always leave wherever town they're from because this is America and we're, we're a country that's literally designed for people to move, right? Well, you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. That's a philosophy I've definitely lived by and learned by a lot. And that's, I feel like that's what you're trying to do is that you want to see Newark progress and you're adding to that progression. I guess to the whole like, um, you know, uncomfortableness and people feel like it's crime ridden and there's like a lot of, you know, bad things going on. You have to be that change. One thing I've noticed up there is there's a, a, you know, I can walk around in my neighborhood at two in the morning and not have to look over my shoulder, you know, and that definitely wasn't the experience when I was growing up here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even just now going out to get coffee, you know, I was standing in line and there was the people in waiting in line in front of me and they were very gracious. They, you know, there was like a miscommunication of who was next, whatever, but they were like very, you know, um, cons- uh, you know, um, polite. And it was just a really warm, you know, moment that I would just wasn't expecting it, you know, nine in the morning on a Saturday here in downtown Newark. And I think those little changes of how people, you know, go about their day to days, because you change the larger um, perspective in smaller circumstances, like, just people being the change they want to see. Like if they want to leave Newark, learn something and bring it back and then be that change. I think like what you're doing is essentially that. And we could, you know, we could see more of that. How do we convince people? That, that's the hard part I have is like, you know, I, I don't want it to be, uh, uh, 
I never want to use my experience as a way of like being on a high horse on some side of sort of moral high ground being like, look at me. Yeah, man, you need to be humble a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to humble you a little bit. Don't worry. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I, I walked into this land minefield. Um, <laughs> no, but, but what I mean is like, I don't want my experience to be like, look at me what I'm doing. Like, I, I think of this as a choice. It's like, I also did this choice because... I find meaning in it. So it's not just like I want to live some kind of life of admiration like because I, st- I went back to my hometown and did something. That's not why I do this. I do I, I do find meaning in it, but I also just find it like I lived in New York City. I lived in there for three years. I loved it. It was a great town. But like I also like it's expensive. It's also, um, you know, uh, I can get as much out of New York City by living here. Obviously not the same amount, but like I was I, have, I went to a theater in New York City last night and came mm-hmm. back home. And like, you know, it was a relatively easy you know, trip. And so for me, it's like, I, I do get a lot of personal benefit from living in this town. It's, it's obviously cheaper. I have that access to New York City. So there's also like very practical reasons. Um, and I, you know, when you were saying like, you know, what I was doing and like sort of being the change I want to see in the world, like I do try to live up to that, but I also don't want it to be looked at as if like that's like my driving philosophy and why I'm in this town. But you are but you are paving the way for the younger generation. It's, I mean like and it's not just up to you one single person. We need like the of masses. Course, yeah, yeah. And but it does start with the individual. I mean you're a part of a I mean you were I feel like you still are a part of a lot of like foundations and yeah. um, groups and whatnot that will set the tone for, you know, the kids who are like growing up in this public school system who want to pursue, you know, university or leave. And and anybody can like learn something that isn't necessarily outside New Jersey. I mean, you could go to Rutgers, New Brunswick, or you can go to all these other, uh, I think TCNJ and all these other schools that are something you can bring back to this city specifically. Um, I, I just, I want people to be comfortable with leaving because sometimes if you stay somewhere too long, I definitely <laughs> believe that if you stay somewhere too long, you're just going to be too comfortable and not want to step outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And that was one thing that I didn't want because I knew after what I saw you did, I was like, okay, I, you know, I, I want to see what else is going to be offered to me. It's definitely going to be difficult. Um, there was definitely some trying times. There was times where I really had to like look at myself and be like, am I doing this the right way? And I had the, you know what it was? I had the resources. Mm-hmm. I had the people I could go to if I was in a dire situation. Um, I had a lot of family and friends who helped me out. So I think just offering that to people, uh, letting them know that, you know, there are people looking out for you and having those resources are important. And I feel like that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to give that extra resource of like, hey, if you need a reference, if you need a... Because you do a lot of things for Harvard still. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the city. And that is paving the way for more kids to go to a school like that from here and then hopefully maybe one day bring it back. Yeah. So starting that trend is is really important, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, one of my hopes is, like, even... I mean, not just Harvard, it's, uh, it's other schools. Like, if we could just even get, like, you know, a, a third of them to come back, like, that I think would be an amazing thing. Um, I don't know what the numbers are. I wish I could find out those numbers. I really do. Because I would love to, you know... I mean, not to be creepy, but I would, I would, tra- I would love to track people down and like do what we're doing right now. It's just like ask those questions of like, why, you know, why leave? But in a non-judgmental way so I can find out, you know, you know, is it because you just saw you went to university and just saw something different about life and, and mm-hmm. thought like Newark has nothing to offer to that? Or is it just purely circumstantial? It's like, well, there's a job here and like that happens to be what I want to do. I think that's a little bit of your case, too. Right. There's work up in Boston that was like more in line with what you what you studied and what you wanted to do? Well, I mean, my background is finance and accounting, and, like, that's such a broad field because yep. you can work in almost any industry. And I've worked in at several different industries where that was, um, you know, it worked in my favor. Excuse me. Um, but one thing that I have been doing, and I actually want to give it a try down here, is I've been going back to LaSalle as an alumni. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing kind of what you've done of, like, going back to university and, like, you know, um, talking to undergrads, because that was one thing that I wanted. I wanted to be able to go to somebody who's more experienced, a little older than me, who's who like went through it, who could tell me the rights and the wrongs. Um, you know, if if I wanted that, you know, I have to be a part of that change, like I was saying earlier, like, I'm gonna, you know, I might not gain anything from it, but there's so much that I can give back. And I kind of want to do that with Bloomfield Tech, I kind of want to reach out to them and say, do you have like, you know, people who graduated from here who might not have necessarily have gone into the trade they were mm-hmm. studying, but who like went to university and then like learned something new. And I think that can be a form of inspiration, especially 
especially do it while you're young still. I mean, I'm 29. It's like when they see somebody with a young, relatively younger face and they're like, they can relate to them a little bit. Yeah. I think that definitely helps. Um, yeah. That was one thing. I went to an alumni um, association gathering recently at LaSalle and there was these like freshmen and sophomores who like, they could relate to me because of like pop culture and like other things. And it kind of like, wow, this is somebody I can relate to and he's successful and he's doing what he wants to do. Tell me what I have to do. So being that resource is key, I think, at least for at least for what we're trying to do here in Newark as well. Yeah. Yeah. I keep wondering, like, how much is also that aspect that it's not just like opportunities, but also is there someone there that can tell you? I think a lot of university experience is also just like going into a blind. I, I kind of went into university a little bit blind. I had no one telling me what to do in a way that a lot of my friends whose parents had degrees um, and postgraduate degrees, for that matter, you know, gave them the map. Yeah. of life and like I just did not have that so I kind of like you know made decisions on the fly um and that just ended up leading back here for me but like I, I do wonder maybe it, there's like room for um an organization or something to or, or a talking group or, or some kind of network to to talk to students who are you know getting educated outside the city and like what what how can you live your best and most successful life but also here are options that are you can pursue that in Newark, yeah. right? Well, uh, one thing that I, I mean, we're just one people. I mean, we're not, you know, celebrities or anything like that, but that's one thing that I always go back to that we can name drop. And like I said, Joe Rogan, and yeah. you immediately, like, even you didn't know that, and you, yeah. you know everything around here. And it's like, and then you said Michael B. Jordan. And I was like, I tell people all the time because after the success of Black yeah. Panther and like all the other movies that he's done, um, I was like, you know, I almost went to the same high school as him. He would have been a senior and I would have been a French f freshman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think his mom worked at the school and yeah, like that's how he got in something yeah, like yeah. that. And then he was, st he started to do like modeling at a young age and then he got on do you know the wire. Do you know what? No, it's before there's even, I, so there's reasons why I know this. I won't go into, um, uh, uh, he was actually, that's not his first show. Okay. Sopranos. Oh, he was he, actually, on he appears on the episode Down Neck, which is like considered one of the best, um, the definitely top ten lists of, yeah. of Soprano episodes. Um, it's the first season; see, it's episode seven, I think, if mm -hmm. I know off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. um, he actually appears in that episode, so he's actually. It's funny that his first show is a very deeply associated with Newark. Yeah, that's show. Awesome. Yeah, um, and he was very young. I think he played like a kid who chases Tony Soprano in the in the Ironbound. That's another thing that I reference is the Sopranos. I talk about how an episode was filmed on our street back in the yeah, day. Yeah, our house is on it. It's and, house is, and I pull up that video all the time. And I'll tell people like you know that opening sequence when Tony's driving in the in the, the Belleville Turnpike. It's yeah. just like it's just giant like cut through our neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And but every time people talk about mobster movies and all that kind of stuff and like that kind of, I'm like, yeah, and that's kind of the culture that um, is referenced a lot in that show, and that's where I grew up. And I can tell you like all those streets and everything. And I always drop those like um, Paul Walker filmed the movie Running Scared. Oh, I remember here. that? Yeah, they got filmed right next to our. I don't house know where too. we were. But I missed out on meeting him. I thought you were in the photo with Kevin and no, that was just him. That was just Kevin and Eric. Sorry, sorry. The people we're referencing are people who live in our yeah, block. yeah. And um, no, I, I don't know if we were like on a cruise. I don't know if we were on vacation. But like we weren't around when they were filming that, and that would have been huge for me. Like because he was one of my favorite actors growing up. For me, it was just like who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, when he passed away, that's when he. Yeah, he I think that's after album. the first Fast and Furious movie came out. I think that's why it was so popular. And he also did a few others, but. And, then, and these little things that, like, you know, because um, obviously, like, everybody knows New York City and everybody can reference it, you know, the, all the live long day. And, like, all these little things that, like, might draw attention. Like, when the Prudential Center uh, was brought up, the first, the only time I've actually been there was with you when we caught a Nets game yeah. before they moved to Brooklyn. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, like, that would have been such a huge drive because I don't know how many people in Newark yeah. watch hockey. You know, um, more and more, it's it's growing. Um, but you're right; most of the hockey watchers are coming in from um, either New Jersey expats who live in New York or um, the suburbs, like you know, so your South Oranges, your Livingstons, your Montclairs. Yeah. Or... Well, so fun fact, actually, <laughs> my first NHL game was at the TD Garden in Boston, and it was... wait, you didn't, you never went to Devils game before that? Well, no, and I was it was a Devils. I specifically picked a Devils versus Bruins game. Nice. And I wore. I almost said Devils v Celtics. I was thinking. <laughs> The crossover event of the year, um, and um, I was wearing a Bruins uh, sweatshirt to be incognito. And I don't really follow hockey, but um, and the Devils actually won. And I was sitting next to a couple from Jersey, um, and we were just talking about like you know kind of the stuff we're talking about. And um, that was just like a really hype moment for me. I was like, I actually want the Devils franchise to be successful because hopefully that's more of a yeah. draw to to this city, obviously so too. Time to call you out. 
Oh, it's up. <laughs> so um, please tell the, 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 the podcast audience your sports allegiances at the moment. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is going to be fun. I actually walked in here with a Red Sox hat. Yeah, I know. God, God help us. Um, well, so here's the thing. I'm a Patriots fan. Ah. And here's the thing. We did not grow up watching football. I mean, yeah, we, we, we caught a couple games here and there. Uh, our father had, like, some fleeting interest we, in football. We would point. watch, like, postseason yeah, playoff games postseason and, like, games, Super Bowls, yeah. but, like, only if the Giants were in it or if it mattered. Not even. I think we I think we did watch every Super Bowl game. Like, we used to go to this uh, mutual friend. Not mutual. Our, our dad had a friend who would sometimes throw a Super Bowl party that we'd go to. And, well, the thing was, I, was, I was a Nets fan for a long time. Yeah, used, well, that, yeah, We yeah. used to go to games all the time. I used to, like, the starting five, it was, like, Richard Jefferson, Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, like... I remember the big three, like, when New Jersey was, like, a strong team. And, like, I used to yeah. go to games all the time. And I became a Celtics fan just through association. I was actually a Mavericks fan for a long time because Dirk Nowitzki was Yeah, I remember, I remember you through that phase. Yeah. And but football, I didn't start watching um, regularly until I went to Boston and you hung out up there. And that's that's another thing that they have. That That's why I was upset about what happened with the Nets when they went to Brooklyn's because yeah. – Boston is such title city. I mean, they have all the big sports, and they all have multiple titles. Yeah, yeah. I think all four teams. Um, it's actually I my well I, five. I mean, so the the Revs. I don't th- do they have a title? I can't remember right now. I don't know. I don't, Chris, where's our uncle Chris? He knows these questions. <laughs> but um, well, that's the thing because like it's it's definitely more dangerous to be a Yankees fan in Boston than it is to be a Boston, a Red Sox fan in New York. Yeah, because you could blend in in New York. It's just like no one Well, you can blend it. in, yeah. but they take their sports way too yes, seriously up there. I mean, I mean, seriously is fine. I mean, it's exciting, and I think it gets people driven, but, like, they really, like, you know, um, they really take it seriously up there. And Almost too seriously. I mean, this is why the Tom Brady thing is kind of funny. Like, the whole deflategate and, and, and Brady and whatnot, I think what makes it such a funny experience and why I keep poking... So just for full disclosure, my brother, my aunt, and my uncle, are all, and and my, my their their daughter, our cousin, uh, are all Pats fans, and um, I kind of like poke fun at everyone for this because n- only one of them is really a native Massachusetts and uh, Massachusetts <laughs> yeah. person, Massachusetts, Massachusetts man, yeah. a uh, New Englander. There we go. Yes. Um, and uh, so you're all like transplants in a sense. Although I think Chris did grow up there, so I'll give him that. But and like, Lily, in our Lily too, was the person I was yeah, saying yeah, is yeah, is, yeah, um, yeah. is the person who actually uh, grew up there. Um, Chris but, was like, born in Jersey, moved. He to was born in Jersey. So what is it with that? What is like? Uh, yeah, I know there's a lot of Jersey people in Massachusetts. Sorry, this is like a crazy segue, but yeah, there's yeah. a purpose for this audience. Um, yeah. And so they've all like uh, there's something I saw this when I was in university. A lot of people abandoned their home teams, going when they went to Boston and started. Like I was a Yankees fan when I was up there, and it sucked, yeah. right? Um, but like there are a lot of people I knew who like you know abandoned like their like their their Denver um, their uh, they're the Rockies, right? Like they're from Denver and they they were supposed to be a Rockies fan, and it was like no no I'm gonna wear the little blue cap with the red on it with the red B, um, and like. I, I always wonder about that. Like New York is a little bit different because we only have one team that physically plays in the city. One, another one that plays right next to the city, although technically it's not in it. So that's the, uh, the, the Red Bulls. Um, and then two teams that are not from this state, but play, play in, in this state, which is a super, super weird. Yeah. I, I think this well, state, it hadn't been always, they, they were originally, well, yeah, in so New York, they, but yeah, they came to back, East Rutherford back when like, you know, the Jets and Giants, they used to play in, uh, I think one of them played in the polo grounds at one point when that was a stadium back in the day. Um, but what I find that very interesting is how willing people are to shed what are sports are often considered core parts of identity. Usually, usually, um, depending on how rabid a sports fan you are. And, I, and I'm always surprised that people who leave, and I think this is connected to the idea of coming back, right? You know, it's one thing to leave and be like, oh, I'm going to maintain my Newarkness and like root for the devils. But like you often see a shedding. It's like all of a sudden they become a Pats fan. They become a, Bruin, a Bruins fan. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts about that? Like, why? Like, why would oh, you switch and stuff like I, that? We could do a whole segment on course, that conversation. And and I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible. But so, I didn't grow up a football fan, and like baseball, I didn't necessarily watch. But we, because like we it's played. kind of we played, and yeah. it's kind of like in our blood of like you're a Yankees fan. You grew up in this area, unless you were like a Mets fan, depending on what part of Jersey you're from or part of New York you're from yeah. too, actually, and. Which also, by the way, it's really weird because we're both Portuguese kids and we played more baseball than we did soccer, which is... Well, you. Well, I did, I, I did yeah, no, more I, me. I, I think you probably played more three soccer. Three years middle school, three years high school. Oh, I didn't know you played in high school. I completely oh, yeah, I definitely played in high school, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, well, you were gone, so you didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and you never went to any of my games. Yeah. Um, 
And so what happens is, so personal story, I used to go, I went to Boston wearing Yankees hat too. Yeah. And the thing about my close friends from college, I mean, you know Jay and Jordan, you know how yeah. baseball driven those guys are. Yeah. And one of them, one of them's a sports writer, I mean, right? Or what does he do? Or Oh, Jordan doesn't work in sports, but... Uh, uh, but, he, but I know he did sports writing at one point or something or... Well, in... No, this is not about Jordan. Yeah. I don't know why we're bringing him but up. But <laughs> anyways, but the thing yeah. was, they're such hardcore baseball fans. Right. Um, and... I would wear a Yankees cap and not know anything. They would always tease me like, who is the second baseman for yeah. that? And I would never know. And I kind of was like, all right, I clearly don't know what I'm talking about yeah. when it comes to baseball. So I kind of just like, and I actually been to more Red Sox games than Yankees. I've only been to one Yankees game and I've been to plenty of mm -hmm. Red Sox games. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of that influence of the sports where it's like, you kind of just get, because there's that kind of community. There's that kind of, um, that appeal that people are like really cheering on these sports and you want to be a part of it. I didn't grow up watching baseball around here. I never went to games. So that's why I was never yeah. influenced to it. But I was a Nets fan. Like I went to games and that was such a huge part of like our culture was, and like we played street ball all the time. We play basketball all the time. And the whole kind of like changing your perspective is because like now that once you actually stay there for a while and I mean, I'm actually a resident there. Like, you know, I have yeah. Massachusetts driver's license and everything. Um, like you, when you have a team who's won back-to-back -back championships sometimes consecutively, like the Patriots, like you want to be a part of that, um, especially because I didn't have any roots for football mm -hmm. growing up here. Like we had Giants memorabilia. I remember having like like the trash bin in my bedroom was like Giants and it's stuff. Still like, there. It's still there, yeah. right? And like you know, but I just wasn't that passionate about it. Yeah. And when it came to soccer, I mean, we we follow like European teams. And yeah, stuff that, like that that was the hard part about soccer is we were national teams and European teams are always uh, the European club teams are always much more of a draw. I mean, unfortunately for the U.S., like that's the sad, so, sad state of the soccer in this country. So when it comes to those sports pride, uh, it's like you know uh, up there they, that's one of the biggest things about Boston, and that's why again going back to the Prudential Center when I saw that coming up and I saw that when we went to that Nets game, unfortunately it was one of their last. I was just like, that's that would have been such a driving force to get more of a crowd. Because then with away games, you know, people will go out of their way to see their favorite teams in different cities because the t tickets might be cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and sometimes, you know, I would come down here to see a Nets-Celtics game for that too, like, and also just to be around here. And that's why I say, like, I don't know how much people watch hockey around here. I feel like you're going to get a lot of New York crowd who will come out here to watch hockey rather than go to MSG if that was or, the case. Or uh, Barclays. Or the Barclays. When we went there together for a concert, I was blown at how small that place is compared to our, compared to the Peru. Really? I, I did the, I checked. It's what about significantly the smaller. What about the, the uh, elevation? Well, it's very tiered. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're wide and, 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 and low grade like tiering. Theirs is like very steep. We like, went there to see, and that was the problem too, because I really tried to get the Prudential Center tickets, but they were pretty much almost... They were more sold, expensive. They yeah. were more expensive or completely sold out for like reasonable seats. We would have to get like in the bottom on like on the floor seats, but that would have cost like a grand a piece yeah. or something. And so we went to the Barclays and we were in the nosebleeds. We were in another atmosphere. You couldn't even breathe up there. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty um, cool. Great show. Eldon John was amazing. Um, but yeah, like the, so like little things like that, you know, like the infrastructure around here, like the NJ Pack. Yeah. When I when we were growing up, and you can you know talk about this as well as like we went there for school trips to see theater shows, yeah. things that like you know you know my well so just, just I want to yeah. cut it off. I think where you're going with this is like the problem with NJ Pack. A lot of it this has changed obviously, but like a lot of the programming is really designed around suburban tastes. Yeah, right. And like for some reason, because like the theater is designed more around you know orchestral performances, things like that. So, like, the Prudential's always going to have a more, like, not to, you know, this is like, sounds like coded language, but I'm being honest here, more urban programming. But that's good, concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a good thing, because, yeah, like, yeah. the one of the things... Oh, yeah, you mean it exposes people to other It exposes forms of that, because, yeah. like, when you go, like, when you go to a venue and you see what's coming up or what's, like, it'll show interest, especially given in, uh, in an urban community. Um, one of the thing about, one thing about NJ Pack that really, like, kind of, like, made me think, oh, this is going to draw attention was... Steve Harvey, yeah. he did one of his um, tours there, and it, it ended up on his uh, album, on his comedy album. Yeah. And it was, you know, recorded live at Newark, NJ, uh, New Jersey Performing Arts Center. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it was, I forget what said. This must have been like, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. I don't remember yeah. how long ago it was. Yeah. And I was like, I would, I would, I listened to this set many times, and I was like, that is definitely a show I would have gone to. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, 
so like little because like that was the place i was like that was the place where we used to go see like plays and like orchestras when i growing up and like you see this major comedian who's going in there to do like a recorded set yeah um and so i see little things like that and again cosmetic changes i see the infrastructure changing a lot there's always new buildings or we change the streets like where you live and all that kind of stuff one cool thing about newark is it's now become a mandatory stop for any major u.s tour i've seen some of my favorite bands who have almost no presence in this city like in terms of like actual like people who like listen to them so a good example is the killers band i've seen four or five or five times in, in concert now yeah um, actually, twice with you. <laughs> funny That's enough, right. yeah, um, in Boston. Yeah, one in my college campus, which is really funny. Long story there. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's it's actually kind of cool because you do see these acts come through. Largely, they're performing to the suburban crowds and New York crowds who are willing to come out our direction. Um, so there's a bit of advantage to that. Uh, that like you know we do get exposed to stuff from outside the city. Um, I actually want to talk quickly because we were, I wanted to segue a little bit earlier because you mentioned um, film and like filming in Newark. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, you've probably seen this. There's a lot more filming going on in this town. It's actually starting to get annoying. I'm actually kind of over it because they're constantly blocking the streets where I live. I live downtown, so we're much more affected by the filming that goes on. And it's one thing to film like, I guess what just drives me nuts about the filming, and I want to get your thoughts about this, um, is... The focus on the filming initially was kind of cool because it tended to be when it was Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos film prequel that's um, should be released, I think, twenty twenty. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, that actually was recreating a famous event that occurred in Newark in, in nineteen sixty seven. Mm-hmm. The and um, that was meant to be based in Newark. And the same thing with the Plot Against America HBO show that's gonna a miniseries that's gonna come up. Rachel Weiss, I think, plays um, Philip Roth's Love mother. Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Um, Vice. Ra- Rachel Vice. Weiss. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that was also based, it's a, it's a book that took place in Newark, and they recreated 1930s Newark, which is really cool. But now, what? I, what, most recently, there was this film called Masters of Doom, which is about the fight between the, the, the Doom franchise and the Quake franchise back in the 90s, you know, video games that I had no interest in whatsoever. Um, and they, like... Made downtown Newark, downtown L.A., which looks nothing like downtown L.A. Like, it was just so weird. And I think Newark is now becoming just a, a stand-in for any city for for New York. And we have a long tradition for this. Like, um, you would actually be amazed at how many um, Batman, how, how much Newark has stood in for Gotham. Like, yes. it's actually fascinating. No, yeah. Going back to the original 1989 Batman, Newark has stood in for Gotham. No, I, um, and I could talk to The Dark Knight that. Rises, like, it, the, now Joker. Yep. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how much this town has been a stand-in for Gotham, and there's a whole separate podcast talk about that. Have you seen Joker? I don't want to. Okay. No, I, I, and, I'm, want... I, and I'm on the Batman line of the comic book so, divide. Spoiler alert for listeners and for yourself about this uh, in the movie. There are three specific scenes where I know for a fact that it's downtown Newark. Well, yeah, no, there's no, yeah, I, I, everyone knows. And, and the thing yeah. is, it's some of the most gruesome scenes. I'm just like, oh, come on. But um, going back to your point about where they film yeah. and for a stand-in city, so like this is going to be turned into like downtown LA or something. I mean, that's a good thing because like, one, it's cheaper to do <clears throat> rather than going into LA. Yeah. Like, so like I'll reference a lot of the third Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. There's a chase scene between him and the Sandman that's going – it's it's obviously depicted as New York, but it's actually filmed in uh, downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Chicago is, does a lot of that where they is like the, they're the stand-in for New York City a lot. So I, I think that's – I think it's a good thing that they're drawing those kinds of crowds because like a lot of people want to go visit a film set, especially yeah. for major superhero and supervillain comic book stories, um, Joker being the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. I just uh, I don't want to sound like some kind of like cantankerous like not in my city like I, I it just gets me annoyed because it's it's cool when it's once, but then when the, our town is getting erased because it's like we want to use you because we think you look like something else mm. right and that something else is because often oftentimes it's a tax credits issue which also annoys me mm. like I think mm. you know there's a lot of race to the bottom like we're just like I, I keep wondering how much we're getting from those films. Yeah. Um, and how much we are also paying out in police and shutting down the city and yep. the costs around that. But aside from that, it's like we're choosing you because you look like what we think New York looked like at a certain time in its history when that was not, you know, New York in the 70s, right? When you can still, New York, New York, downtown New York has uh, updated itself a lot in the last 10 years. But if you want to film like what New York like was in the 70s, I bet you you're going to come to Newark and not New York, right? Particularly if you don't need any landmarks in that scene. So. Mm-hmm. Because you want to like get that f- effect of like you know, 
Ed Koch is mayor of the Bronx is burning and like, you know, bah, yeah, like yeah. New York is scary yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of feel. Um, and I feel like that re- reinforces a negative ter- stereotype about this city, but it also erases this city too, because it's not like Newark, right? It's New York. Right. Um, and I keep, this is like a debate I keep having in my head about like all the filming that's going on and like a lot of, it's funny, I'm always like negative Nancy in the room, but like a lot of people are like, it's a great thing. And I'm like, I don't know, is it really like, like, are we even getting money from it? Like that's, that's the sad part in the end. I keep wondering how much extra money we're getting from all that. Um, well, then you think about the, like, I know this is a really controversial saying, but like, uh, uh, even, uh, what is it? A good, even, um, Good news, bad news is good news is good news, or what is it? It's like well, there's the Oscar Wilde quote: um, "The worst thing um, than being talked about is not not being, being talked, talked about." about. So yeah, I think yeah. I think it's in that vein of um, like, you know, there's no such thing as bad. There's news. no such thing as bad press. Bad yeah. press, yeah, bad press. Sorry. Yeah, um, because like you're just getting that exposure, getting the name out, like. But that's the thing. We're not. I mean, maybe within the film community, like that's a place you can go to do this stuff. But like, it's not like proudly filmed in New York. Like, I, so Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we both saw this movie separately, but like, yeah. um, I, the credits were great, and I, I hope you stayed around for the end of the credits, um, yeah. just because the music at the end was great. Yep. But at the end, you see this little lovely stamp, like proudly filmed in New York, right? I, I don't think there's a similar New York stamp that goes mm-hmm. onto these movies. I wish there were. Um, although maybe that would just feed into the same problem of like this whole thing that you thought was New York turns out <laughs> this town that you don't want to go to. Well, maybe right. we need an original story. Of- oh yeah, no, that's what I would love is uh, I would love a Netflix original series, like particularly a multiple season thing. That's like, this takes place here and this is about here. That isn't, right? a, that, that isn't a documentary or right? mafia driven or-, or mafia driven. Yeah, actually it's a good one or gangster driven. Like, can we have our version of, you know, um, Michael B. Jordan's upbringing, or like, what's a, <laughs> oh, what's on HBO? John Oliver was making fun of Euphoria, right? Like, or oh, like, Euphoria, yeah, 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 like, yeah, like yeah. kid focus or something. Oh, not kid, I mean, adolescent focus and about the issues. We'll make a biopic about you. Yeah, my me, I'm so <laughs> uninteresting. Um, how do you say that? That's from your perspective. Uh-huh. Um, well, uh, I don't know. Like, how do we? What story about Newark really, um, like, uplifts you? I suppose. Uh, like now or just in our history? Or in just in our history. Um, it, uh, the history uplifts me in the sense that um, obviously this is a really cool – like we're a linchpin for a lot of American history. Most people don't know this. Right. Um, Aaron Burr was around, born around the corner. Um, a lot of New, – New Jersey was very important in a lot of political decisions that occurred in this country. Um you know, uh, we were the battleground for the revolution. Most – like a, a, a heavy chunk of the Revolutionary War battles occurred in this state. Not in Newark per se, but like, uh, you know, uh, around here. Um, and then things like, you know, a lot of adventures here. We were a huge immigrant city. Um, right. a Which lot is another of, point I want to get to, but go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously not to drag out this podcast too much longer, but like, you know, we're the immigration, like more so than a lot of other cities, um, it was just so huge to this town as a percentage matter. Uh, and it still is uh, Unlike you know, you don't think of, well, Boston's a little bit different because Boston has a lot of like internal immigration from other parts of the country. Right. But you don't think of Chicago as an immigrant city now yeah. in the way that it was at the turn of the century of, you know, Italians, Jews, Poles, Eastern Europeans moving into Chicago. Whereas Newark is still, you know, it's not Germans, it's not Jews anymore. It's not even Portuguese anymore, right? Um, it's like Ecuadorians, Salvadorans, um, um, uh, West Africans, so particularly Nigerians, are, mo- are moving into the city still from those countries. Well, that's a good thing. But, like, the Portuguese community is one thing I reference in Boston a lot, too, because there's a lot of that up there. Right, but it's a very different kind of Portuguese community. It is, yeah. and that's the problem with it, too, because they're all Benfiquistas. Well, that's just that. I mean, it's true down here, but I'm talking <laughs> about the Arizorians. No, they, no, they come from, they're either from the Azores or they're Cape Verdeans. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, well, that's the thing because like they talk about Fall River, New Bedford, Fall River, about how they have like Portuguese festivals. I was like, have you been to the one in Newark? Yeah, it's not the same. And they're like, no. I'm like, no, the one in Newark is like the grand one. Like yeah. it's massive. And I don't know if that's still the case because I know us growing up, that was like the thing. That was like a whole three day, you know, event. Yeah. Um, the Portuguese festival, like the parade. I, I, also, the I always saw not to, again not to make this about Portuguese people, but I I, saw, I always saw the Boston Portuguese as like the Italian Americans in Belleville. Like none of them are actually from Italy, okay. right? They're like one generation or two generations out, so they still right. maintain the culture, but it's 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 shadows of its former self, uh. right? And so I think it's similar in in Boston, where a lot of those Azorian families have been there. Some have uh, trace. This is kind of crazy to think about, but some Azorians in Boston, their roots go back to the 1700s, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so they still maintain the culture, but it's not as like present. 
mm-hmm. as it is in here because uh, New York is a much more transient Portuguese population. It's a lot more people coming here in their 30s, 40s. I mean, the people who move here in their 50s for work for 10 years and then go back to Portugal, it's a thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, that they, they, they bring all that baggage with them and all that cultural baggage and, like, it's much more present. So that's why I think the Portugal Day is much more big here yeah. in Newark, despite the Newark, the significant Portuguese population of Newark only goes back to the 1920s-ish. Oh. Um, Luz Americano was founded in 1920 in Newark, um, a big Portuguese-American newspaper. The newspaper, yeah. Um, so uh, we have to wind down. Um, okay, yeah, sure. So we end this podcast uh, how we end it all the time, which is what are you excited about in Newark? Um, pretty much uh, the majority of what we talked about, about how when how it's changed from when I grew up to what it is now. Like, again, a lot of cosmetic changes, the infrastructure. A lot of the times growing up, I wouldn't even want to go downtown when I was a kid. But now, you know, I see it as a place to be. There are things to do. There's so many, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say mom and pop shops. But there's a lot of, like, growth. Mm-hmm. Um, from the community and as well just like a lot of like cleanup and stuff like that and I think that's a positive outlook so that when people do visit they see oh like this is like an actual city this isn't just an airport this just isn't a city where there's an airport mm-hmm. um, and I like that because it's definitely way more appealing one thing that I know about Boston a lot is that like it's very appealing in certain parts where it's like they make it aesthetically beautiful to make it appealing to tourists and visitors and I think we want a lot of that we yeah. want people to come visit Say, hey, this is what we have a lot to offer. We have a lot of history here. We have a lot of culture, mm-hmm. and a lot of things are changing. Um, and that's one thing that, like, I'm really excited for, and I actually kind of want to check out some more while I'm here too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some of you may have noticed in the news um, that a Newark institution just changed its name. It's not a significant name change, but it's one that I think brings up a very interesting discussion topic, which is the Newark Museum is now the Newark Museum of Art. That's awesome. They did a giant rebranding back on Wednesday. Um, and there was a lot of controversy on Reddit, on Facebook, online about you know local New York people debating whether or not the name change should have occurred and what does it mean. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit neutral about it. Um, I, I'm not against it, nor am I like gun- like super passionate about it changing the name. But I think it's a good thing in the sense that it brings attention back to what I think is probably the best mid-sized museum in the country. Um, and, and mid-sized is obviously a, a loaded, I think, a loaded term. But like... The beauty of the Newark Museum is it, it has everything a museum can offer um, in terms of art and um, artifacts and, and history, as well as some science exhibits. And I've always wanted to do a Netflix-style series where you teach people how to interact with museums using the Newark Museum because it has all those things. It has contemporary art. It has traditional Western-style um, portraiture and landscape. It has uh, Egyptian mummies. So you could talk about, you know... It has the 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 most extensive Tibetan collection of art in the world, and there's an interesting discussion around that about why is it appropriate for this like random, you know, industrial town in in northeast United States to have this like giant collection of Tibetan art, right? And I and I've always you know I'm always interested to hear from anyone who's willing to like, you know, take on that kind of project of using New- the New York Museum as a way of like. You can come here, experience all these different aspects of a museum, from the planetarium to the mummies to the art, to um, you know art that's um, dealing tackling issues of race or issues of gender and and um, and sex, right? In one space, so I'm kind of glad. Please go visit the Newark Museum. It's free for Newark residents. Um, it's uh, a great place to take kids. It's a great place to take adults. It's it's all that and more. Um, so that's it for this episode. I want to thank our guest uh, Miguel Antunes. Thanks for having me. Oop. This is Manny Antunes, host and producer of the Pot and Market podcast, editing and sound engineering by Ba Fraze and Ryan. Uh, podcast logo and design provided by Robert Conti. Additional creative input by Samantha Kateas. Pod intro and outro music by Dan Myler. If you have a subject you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm going to end with a quote from uh, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead by Olga Tokerchuk. I got a Polish person to tell me how to pronounce that. Um, it's She just won the Nobel Prize in Literature. Um, there was a dual award this year because we they, for there's a whole long story behind this. But the, the Swedish Academy um, had to skip last year because of um, controversy around allegations of um, sexual assault or sexual harassment within the academy. And um, 
the um, they awarded two awards, and the first award for the Mist year went to Olga uh, Tokershuk right here, and the other one went to Peter Handke. And it was very controversial because Peter Handke has um, is a controversial figure. He's de- not only is his writing deeply experimental, but it's also he's defended uh, um, the Serbian government um, in for what it did in the '90s, and um, it said controversial things about the what's occurred what occurred in Bosnia during that time. But Olga Tokershuk, on the other hand, um, is is a is uh, a woman writer from Poland and has had her life threatened um, and has she's questioned the far the rise of the far right in um in Poland and she's uh deeply fearful about what's going on in her country and her writing reflects that and this book is a deeply weird mystery novel um and it asks the question of um basically if what we what, what would happen if what we do if animals got back at us for what we do to them um so I'm going to read just a quick line from it the day of vengeance is nigh the regiments of hell are closing in he shouted and waved at me through the window Then with a squeal of tires, the taxi set off in the direction of Kudova. Thank you.